0: morning, everyone. Thank you, Glenn. As Glenn said, and as Richard has said, this is uh, the second and our our final week of Vision On, this chance and opportunity to kind of share and explain our ongoing vision at Windsor Baptist to be a church without walls. And and so last Sunday, both morning and in the evening, I reminded us that to be a church without walls, and, and remember, I said last week that without can mean two things. It can mean outside and it can mean not having. And so we want to be a church outside the walls. We also want to be a church not having walls. And last week I said that to be a church without walls, it means five things. Here are the five things. One, it's not about the building. It's not about a building. It's not about any building. It's about people. It's about a community. It's about family. It's about a body. Secondly, it is about reduced barriers. We want to lower, we want to dismantle any barriers that keep people out or that restrict people from entering in. Thirdly, it is about porous borders. We want people to come as they are, whatever their background, whatever their beliefs. We want this to be a non-judgmental grace community where questions and doubts and fears can be expressed as people explore faith. But as well as having ill-defined edges, it is also about having a definite center, which here comprises of two things, Jesus and our core convictions rooted in Scripture. And so at the heart of this church is Jesus, the living word, and the Bible, God's written word. Ill defined edges, but a definite centre. And then lastly, it's about church gathered and scattered. Yes, we gather like this, and this is essential and this is biblical, but then we scatter. We scatter to be church outside of these walls. And so as we go from here, we go to our places of work, our places of study, our places of leisure. We go into our homes and into our neighbourhoods, and we continue to worship we come here to church, we go to be church on our front lines. And so having thought about those five things, if you weren't here last week and you want to hear those explained more fully, then please do listen into the podcast. But having looked at these five things, we then asked the question, well, how? How can we be this Kind of church, and that's where the four symbols come in. I, I left some of those little cards that were put out last week. There should be on your seats, uh, or some of them anyway. And If you look on the back of them, there are these four symbols, and what they represent is we believe that to become a church without walls, we reckon Windsor Baptist must become a place of four things. It must become a place of belonging. It must become a place of multiplying. It must become a place of serving, and it must become a place of going. And at the end of last week, we reflected on the importance of church being a place, being a family, being a body where people belong, where people feel they belong, and where they know they belong. And we recognize that this is difficult at times, especially in a crowd like this. And so we highlighted two ways to kind of foster and fuel a sense of belonging. They're on the screen there. Join a small group serve on a team. And again, I said more about that last week. So that was last Sunday. And today I want to look at multiplying and serving and going. And I'm going to attempt to cover a lot of ground in these next 20 minutes or so. So can you take a deep breath and let's just dive in here, okay? So let's start with multiplying. Whenever you read the story of the church in Acts, and whenever you trace its development, what you confront is growth. And so it starts with 120 believers in chapter 1, and by two-thirds of the way through chapter 2, it has grown to 3,120. By the end of chapter 2, there's even further expansion. So to quote Acts 2:47, each day, the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. And as you keep reading through, you discover more growth. Here, more growth. Here's a couple of examples from Acts chapter 6 where it says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, and as the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and it didn't stop after Acts, the church continued to grow and continues to grow. And 2,000 plus years later, people are still being added right around the globe. And if nothing else, we are here this morning living proof that multiplication, that growth is taking place. Now, when it comes to growth, and and growth and multiplication, it's got to be desirable, it's got to be vital. It's what we pray for here at Winter. It's what we long for. It's what we witness for. Now, when it comes to growth at a local level, there are three types. There's transfer growth, there's biological growth, And there's conversion growth. I'm obviously only going to focus on one of those, which is conversion growth. Let me just mention the other two. It is a fact of life. Let's just be honest. It is a fact of life that people transfer and move from one church to another. It just happens. There are people who have moved on from here to another church. There are people here this morning who have moved on from another church to here. Transfer growth happens, and it's part of our story. But there's also biological growth. Don't want to say anything about that. Don't need to say anything about that. But we continue to do quite well in that area. Okay. But the third type of growth is conversion growth. And that is the multiplication that we're hoping for. We want to see people added to this fellowship as they are being saved, to quote that verse, that phrase from Acts chapter 2. We want Windsor. To be a place where people regularly experience new life in Christ. Where they turn from sin and self and turn to God. Where they place their trust in the Savior of the world. And where they choose to follow Jesus. Three words. Turn, trust, follow. We long to see those who are not yet Christians becoming Christians. Moving from death to life. Darkness to light. Hell to heaven, slavery to freedom. A church without walls is a church that retains that kind of heart. It retains that outward focus. It never loses sight or the heart for those who are not yet saved. Back to this triangle. We want to be a church who lives up, in, and out. We want to be a church that nurtures our relationship with our Father, who loves God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, with every fiber of our being. We also want to be a church that lives in the inwardly. We care for one another, love one another, look after one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another, encourage one another, comfort one another, all those New Testament one another's that are meant to characterize a New Testament church. So we want to be up, in, but we also want to have an outward focus. We need to constantly and consistently reach out to those who have never experienced life to the full. Some would say that, in fact, is the very reason we as a church exist for the out. Archbishop William Temple put it like this many years ago the church is the only cooperative society in the world which exists for the benefit of its non members. And I know there's a certain degree of exaggeration in that, but we have been commissioned to go. Commissioned to go and make disciples. We have been empowered by the Spirit of God to be Christ's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have been called out of the world in order to belong to God. But as we thought about last week, we have been sent back into the world to witness and to serve. That is our calling. That is their desire. And therefore, at Windsor Baptist, We long for, we pray for conversion growth. Now, at times, probably most of the time, that kind of reaching out, that going, that witnessing, that serving, that happens on a personal level, an individual level, as we share Jesus with our friends and our neighbors and our colleagues on our front lines. But following on from that, and as part of that, we also do it at a community and a more formal level. So therefore, we as a church run courses like Life Explored. Life Explored is a course investigating, exploring Christianity, which starts on the 29th of March, runs for seven weeks. If you know of anybody who wants to uh, explore some of the big questions of life, the meaning of life, why are we here, who is God, where does God fit into life and all that, then invite them to that course. 29th of March, seven weeks full of flyers about it next week. We also want to do that via Shane. We also want to, in the summer, you'll hear more about that later. We also want to do that via I Explore, the international Bible study that happens on a Thursday night. Together, corporately, formally, reaching out. We want to see people converted. Let me say a couple of other things just about conversion. And the first is obvious. We, the church, you and I convert no one. We convert no one. It is God who changes lives. It is God who rescues. It is God who saves. It is God who adopts people into his family. It is God who transforms, transforms hearts and minds. It is God who grows, who rapidly increases his church. It's the first thing about conversion But having said that, we've also got to realize and appreciate and grasp, and this is incredible, but in the eternal purposes of God, he has chosen his church, his people, he has chosen you and I to communicate the gospel. We are the ones commanded to go and make disciples. We are the ones who've been empowered to be Christ's witnesses. And therefore, the challenge we face as Windsor Baptists is, are we going to be faithful to our commission, and to our calling. Are we going to go and make Jesus known by word and by deed? Are we going to express it verbally and visibly and then leave the rest, the converting, the transforming, the changing, to God? But in God's eternal purposes, and I often can't get my head around this, but he chooses his church to be the hope of the world. So he commissions his church. He sends his church. He empowers his church. He equips his church. And his church are us, individuals, people, this family, this community. We need to have a heart for this. So this morning, the question, one of the challenges I want to bring is do you have a heart to see people converted? Actually, The question really is, do you have a heart for people? Do you love people enough to share the gospel with them? Bruce Milne, Christian theologian, writer, pastor said this, our failures in evangelism are so often failures in love. You see, evangelism, sharing the gospel is not something we do not something we organize to do ultimately evangelism is an expression of love because one of the most loving things you can do for another human being is tell them the good news about jesus it's one of the most loving things you can do for anyone is share jesus via your lips and via your life one of the challenges i think i face big for me is to fully appreciate and see people's need of the gospel see I don't know about you but but sometimes I look around and I think people seem or very many of them seem perfectly content people I work people you work with study with go to uni with socialize with play sport with they seem pretty content and happy And I forget and I lose sight of their true spiritual condition and their their eternal well-being. I mean, the Bible is crystal clear. It's explicit in this. And these are some of our core convictions that are rooted in Scripture that make up this definite center of Windsor Baptist. But the Bible is explicit. It is clear that unless someone is born again of the Spirit of God, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless they believe in Jesus and turn and trust and follow, they will perish. They will not have eternal life. Those are, they should be, those are disturbing thoughts. But in an increasing secular, pluralistic context and culture, we as Christians, I as a Christian can lose sight of those realities and I lose a heart for sharing Jesus with people I claim to love. When was the last time I, when was the last time you shared the good news of Jesus with someone you claim to love? As a church, we do not want this to become our story. And therefore, as part of our vision, we clearly state that Windsor Baptist wants to be a church without walls, which is an intentional place of multiplying. We wanna see conversion growth. Moving on, serving. One of the uh, amazing, the second, third thing, Windsor Baptist, place of belonging, multiplying, serving. One of the amazing things about this church is the sheer number of, number of people who serve, people who give of their time, people who give of their energy, people who give of themselves selves to serve others. This morning it's happening. It's happened. It's happened since about eight o'clock this morning. People have shown up here to put out these chairs, set up this PA system, set up crash, set up bollards in the car park, it's happened already this morning. It happens throughout the week, and it's part of our vision to encourage and equip people to live beyond themselves. And do you know what the reason is? The reason why we believe this is so important is because we follow Jesus, the servant king. It's as simple as that. That's why serving is so important, because we follow Jesus, the servant King who taught his disciples the value of serving on a constant and consistent basis. So, let me give you three reasons to serve. Here are three reasons why this remains part of our vision to embrace an example, to express to experience divine blessing and to discover true greatness. The first two reasons on the screen there are taken from John 13, that striking incident which took place on the eve of Jesus' crucifixion and death. We've looked at this before. Jesus is sharing a meal with some of his closest friends when something very strange happens. In that particular culture and context, whenever people arrived together to eat a meal, there was always somebody there or or someone who would wash their feet before they reclined at what was a low-set table. And in this upstairs room on the eve of Jesus' crucifixion and death, no one was there to do it. And none of Jesus' disciples were prepared to do it. And so the water was there, and we noticed the basin was there, the towel was there, but no foot washer had showed up to serve. And so everyone sits down and they just start eating. They get, they get tore into their food. And then it happens. This really strange thing happens. Let me just read scripture for you. John 13, four, 5. So he, Jesus, got up from his meal. Everybody's getting tore into the food. Jesus gets up from the meal. He takes off his outer clothing. He takes the towel. He wraps it around his waist. After this, he takes the, the, the basin and he pours water into it, and then he begins to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. This must have been incredibly uncomfortable. N- not the foot washing bit. Everybody had had their feet washed numerous times by people, so having their feet washed wasn't the uncomfortable bit. The uncomfortable bit, the unsettling issue was that Jesus, their master, was down on his knees performing this rather ordinary chore. That's what was so uncomfortable in these moments. Andrew Kostenberger reflecting on this rates Every act of Jesus described here in excruciating detail would have been like a dagger in the disciples' heart, convicting them of their pride and their refusal to lower themselves to the role of a servant. And after a little period of time in that story, one of the disciples, and we all know who it is, one of the disciples breaks the silence. And then Jesus says something in response to him that we've said before should be etched on the heart and on the mind of every single Jesus follower. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus calls every one of his followers to embrace his example and serve others because he wants that to be a distinctive characteristic of those who bear his name. Jesus doesn't command us to literally wash people's feet, but he does stress, he does say, Do you know something? You need to adopt the attitude of a servant. And here at Windsor we want this to be a defining characteristic where people increasingly live beyond themselves, where people serve one another in tangible, practical, and even at times rather dirty little ways. The second reason to do this, the first is to embrace an example, the example of our master, the one we claim to follow. And as we've often said before, those who claim to live in God must walk as Jesus walked. The second reason to serve is to experience divine blessing. People who, who do serve often talk about the fact that they get more out of it than they do get put into it. But it goes deeper than that. It goes beyond that. Listen to John 13 verse 17. Now that you know these things... Now that you know about serving and the importance of serving one another, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, as with so much of Christian discipleship, the proof or the evidence or the authenticity is seen in the doing. It's not in the believing necessarily. Believing is important. Of course it is. But the proof, if we actually believe what we say we believe, is in the doing. It's in the walking it out. It is living as Christ lived. It is walking as Christ walked. It's got to move from head to heart to hands. But what an amazing thought and incentive that people who bear towels, foot washers, junior church teachers, PA, AV operators, crash helpers, drummers, pulse committee members, people who serve others, people who actually roll up their sleeves and do They are the ones who become recipients of God's divine blessing and favor. It's incredible. It has the potential to alter your attitude to serving. So, whenever somebody stands up here and says, Listen, we are looking for people to serve in this area, if we can embrace that mindset that this is about modeling Jesus and this is about experiencing divine blessing, it should change how we hear about opportunities to serve. And then finally, to discover true greatness. So much of the, the teaching of Jesus is profoundly countercultural. At face value, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It jars, it creates confusion. We, we live in a world where greatness is often defined by power, where the one who is served is so much greater than the one who serves. It, it, that's natural logic, but it's not kingdom logic. And in Mark 10, the disciples are looking for a favor. They want to sit beside Jesus in heaven. They want the best seats in the house. A chapter earlier in Mark 10, the disciples had already had a full-blown argument about who was greatest. And Jesus, on that occasion, a chapter earlier in Mark chapter 9, had to sit them down and explain this. Listen, if you want to be first, you've got to become last. And you've got to become, if if you want to be first, you've got to become a servant of all. That was in Mark chapter 9, chapter 10, they clearly didn't get it, because here again they are vying and jockeying for position and for greatness, and Jesus speaks into their lives again, and in amongst a whole lot of challenging words, he says this, whoever wants to become great among you, and they did. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. You see, Jesus deconstructs and reconstructs reality. True greatness comes via service. It doesn't come from privileged positions and status and power. It comes from being a servant and a slave. And it seems that Jesus almost constantly needed to reinforce this teaching and remind his followers of this critical aspect of authentic Christian discipleship. The original disciples didn't always get it. They kept losing sight of it, even though they were with Jesus 24-7 for three years. They kept missing the point. And therefore, as a church, we believe that to be a church without walls, we need to keep coming back and saying, Do you know something? We need to be an intentional place of serving because we follow the servant king. We wanna create opportunities for service within these walls as we serve one another. We wanna create opportunities beyond these walls as we serve our neighbors and our community and our world. So three reasons to serve, to embrace an example, to embrace the example, to experience divine blessing, to discover true greatness. Last thing, nearly done. You still with me, okay? Still haven't lost the will to live? No, still good, right. Finally, place of going a place, we want Windsor Baptist to be a place where people are supported to go and make a difference in their world and beyond. In other words, we want to be a church that has a heart for mission. This kind of ties in with the multiplying, takes it a bit further. The term mission, I know where missionary, conjures up all kinds of thoughts and ideas and caricatures and reactions. But one of the critical things to remember, and we want to affirm time and time again, God is a missionary. We need to keep coming back to this. God reached and reaches out to humanity. And if the Father had not sent the Son in the power of the Spirit, then none of us could ever have known God. It's as simple as that. And so the church, we exist because of the mission of God. But that's not the whole story because not only is the church the fruit of God's mission, we are the fruit of God's mission. But we are also now the agent of God's mission. We are the community through which God now, I said this earlier, we are the community through which God now acts and speaks. And therefore, it is the essence, it is the DNA of the church to be a missionary community, a sent community that goes into all the world. God's mission clear, it's to reconcile all things, including us to himself through Jesus. That, that's God's heart to reconcile all things to himself, including us, through Jesus. It's to restore broken relationship, a relationship that we were created to enjoy, but that was wrecked by sins, devastating intrusion into God's created world, and therefore a missionary God who doesn't want anyone to perish. Let's be clear about that. What does he do? Ultimately, he sends Jesus into our world as the way back to him. And how did Jesus make that possible? Well, again, just building on Colossians 1, which is where we read about God wanting to reconcile all things to himself. But what does Colossians 1 go on to say? How does Jesus do it? How does God do this through Jesus? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And so the cross stands at the heart and at the core of the Christian faith. And it's why communion, it's why the Lord's Supper is so integral to our life as a church and why tonight, we, we do it every single week, either morning and evening, and it's why tonight we will gather around a table and we will break bread together and we will drink wine together because we recognize that it is by the blood of Jesus that God has reconciled and is reconciling all things to himself. And we want to say, thank you, God. And so God sent Jesus into the world to lay down his life for us. But then Jesus sends us. And so he says, as the father sent me into the world, so I'm sending you so God is a missionary and we as his church and as a local expression of his church are a missionary community that has been sent, that has been commissioned by God and therefore going has got to be a key component of our vision. I know that fewer and fewer people now come to church Fewer and fewer people in our culture and society know God's story. They don't know where they fit into God's story. They don't actually care where they fit into God's story. But you see, if people are going to discover more about Christianity and more about its transformational impact on their individual lives and on community life in general, therefore, what this means is we, God's people, are going to have to go. We're going to have to go and tell it. We're going to have to go beyond these walls, over these walls, outside these walls, be church on our front lines. Andrew Walls, Christian theologian, writer and missions from Scotland said this, and this was way back in the 90s. He said, it's it's now too late to treat Western society as some sort of decline from Christian standards to be brought back to church by preaching and persuasion. Modern Western society taken as a whole reflects one of the great non-Christian cultures of the world. The point is this. People no longer come to church. People no longer listen to preaching. People are no longer persuaded by preaching necessarily. And so as a church, we need to go. We need to keep this as part of our, we need to be a church that is sent. uh, That's our calling. Church that is sent. Now I know I focused, and I just want to finish with this. I know I focused on us going and being sent as individuals that we're all in this, that we're all in a sense missionaries. I don't want anybody to leave here this morning thinking I'm in any way neglecting or downplaying the importance of global mission or the need for missionaries, not just to go into Jerusalem and to Samaria and Judea, but to go to the ends of the world because the need for global as well as local mission is huge, it's urgent. And Windsor Baptist has a deep desire and a clear vision to be a strategic base for world missions. It takes very seriously, this is a church takes so serious, its responsibility to be a centre church many of you know this we currently have something like 16 families individuals who have been sent from here who are supported from here in various ways via prayer via finance one-third approximately one-third of our annual church budget is spent on resourcing our missionary family once a month in our corporate prayer meeting and that happens this wednesday night come and please come but once a month in our corporate prayer gathering we pray for our missionary family two sundays per month in a service we focus on one of our missionary family Every week, missionary prayer digest is produced and sent out with updates on our missionary fact. Mission and going is a central part of our mission. But as we think about mission locally and globally, I want to emphasise the need. You've heard me use this phrase before: us to have to have a global vision for mission. It's a great word. But this whole idea that it's global and it's local—that is what we want to see here at Windsor Baptist Church. So that's our vision. It's our ongoing vision, which is why we call this little mini-series Vision On. It's to be a church without walls. It's to be an intentional place of belonging, multiplying, serving, and going. And it is our hope and it is our prayer that we will continue to stay focused on this, that we will be faithful to this, that we will live up to this as we seek to live up in and out.